something, I don't want to get in the way of that. Um, however, the primary way the Holy Spirit works is through the Word. Okay, is that's the way God has designed it. So we want to come to the Word, not just be experiential people, but be truth people as well. And so we want to come to the Word with that mentality, wanting to to take from the Word to find life in the Word. So in First Peter chapter two. Um, if you notice, we're in chapter 2 finally, so that's good, right? Um, all through chapter 1, we've heard of the living hope that we have because we've been ransomed, we've been redeemed, we are in Christ. And uh, because of this imperishable seed that's been planted in us by the Word of God, proclaimed to us in the Gospel, that imperishable seed is now sprouted to life and we have a new birth. And that new birth is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so when we come to... Chapter 2, the first word in chapter 2 is the word so. And that means you have to look back. What is this so for, right? What it, so what? Okay, what he's saying is this. Because that word has been planted in you and you have new life through that word and it is imperishable and you are held in Christ imperishable and you are forever in Him imperishable, now, so, you have a certain way you're supposed to live. So, something's supposed to be true of you. Something's supposed to happen. And this is an important concept because so often in American Christianity especially, we put the cart before the horse and we start saying things like, well, i got to do this and i got to do that. But the only way you can do the things that you're commanded to do is because you've been born again. It's not possible to do the things God demands without having been born again, without having the Spirit, without having new life. And so we want to be people who understand the order of things so that we can live in a way that honors Him. I don't know about you, but when I come to a day like this and I experience what I've experienced, I want to keep experiencing things like singing the way we've sung today. Anybody else? I want to keep experiencing the goodness of God. I want to keep experiencing the sweetness of His presence. I want to keep experiencing those things. Are you with me on that? Okay. It doesn't happen, according to this passage, by us coming up with a service next week that's just as good or better than this one. It happens by God visiting us on His time, on His in His way, in the way He wants to do it, and He wants to do that for you every day in His Word. Okay, so what I want you to understand is you were commanded in chapter 1 to be holy for He is holy, to fear the Lord, right? You're commanded there to love one another with a brotherly love that's intentional, that's earnest. How are you going to do all those things? And I think in verses 1 through 3, what we learn is this, that in order to love like people who have a living hope, in order to be holy like people who have a living hope, in order to worship like people who have a living hope, we have to come back to and keep coming back to and keep coming back to the Word of God as our craving. So I want you to see it here in verses 1 through 3. What do you crave is the question for you today. It's the question for all of us. Verse 1 says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted 
that the Lord is good. If we are going to be people who love like we are people who have a living hope, who have a new birth, who are part of the family of God, if we're going to be holy like people who have a living hope, who have been born of God, have now been reborn into His family, then we need to have hearts that crave to continually taste the goodness of God in His Word. There's no other way for us to grow up into that, to be the people of God who have a living hope, than to crave the pure spiritual milk of His Word and of His goodness found in His Word. I think it's important that we see where this craving comes from because we all have cravings. And it's a dangerous thing at 1210 to talk about cravings. I know that. But we all have cravings. But our craving for all the things that make us living as spiritual beings, as new birth people, as people of God, is found in His Word by His Spirit. It's not found anywhere else. So we have to identify not only where we get the cravings and how we sustain those cravings and how we fill those cravings, we need to identify how we identify the other cravings that get in the way. Okay, So I want to make sure we understand that. Okay, So where does the craving come from? And I want to work my way backwards through the passage. Look at verse 3. The first way we get this craving for the pure spiritual milk of the Word, for the goodness of God, is because we've already tasted the goodness of God. The craving comes from having tasted it before. God's design was never for you to get saved and not desire the grace and the mercy and the goodness of God from that point on. He didn't say, here's your spoonful for salvation, and then He pulls back not wanting you to experience His goodness for the rest of your life until you see Him in heaven. That's not His design. His design is not, I'm going to give you an injection of my goodness and make you mine, and then I'm going to leave you on your own to experience whatever you experience. No, He wants us to experience the goodness of His glory, of His Word, of His sustaining power, of His presence with us. And the way we crave that is, I remember how good it was. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've experienced His goodness, and this is what it looks like. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You've experienced His goodness. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. (laughs) I mean, that's a beautiful reality of God's goodness poured out on us. That He loved us so much that He sent His only Son. That if we believe in Him, we will not perish, but we will have everlasting life. That's the goodness of God poured out on us. And He's then placed His Spirit in us to demonstrate His goodness to us so that we would experience that every day. And His Spirit in us, in the Word, applying the Word to our hearts, is like honey on our lips. That's the design. And if you've experienced that, don't you crave it when it's missing? If you're here today and you've never experienced that, you don't know what you're missing. So you wouldn't crave it. Only those who are born again by this Word, this seed of the Word that's been planted in us by the Gospel, that then the Spirit of God brings to life and we find our life in it. Only those people will crave more and more and more. I want us to be people who crave because we've tasted how good God is. 
Secondly, where does the craving come from? It comes from the reality that we are needy children and we need milk. Now, now take this analogy that's used here in First Peter and divorce it from what you've heard in other places about pure milk or about milk and meat, right? Paul says, hey, some of you should have already been eating meat and I keep having to give you milk. This is a completely different analogy, okay? This isn't about new believers. This is about all believers. Every single one of us is needy. That's what we're told here in verse 2. In verse 2, we're told, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk. We have to understand this. We have to have this milk or we die. This isn't we have to have this milk in order to grow. Growth comes from it, but if we don't have this milk, we die. How many of you have parented a baby? Notice I didn't say had a baby because that would only be the women. Okay. How many of you have parented a baby? How many of you parented a baby that cried? How many of you parented a baby that cried when they were hungry? How many of you, when your baby cried when they were hungry, said, forget you, kid, you find your own food? (laughs) But we act like that's the way God's treating us. Uh, Hear me on this. We are crying babies. Hungry. And God has said, here is the pure spiritual milk, right? And this is what we're doing. We're turning our noses up at it. And we're running for other cravings. I I want you to hear me on this. Everything else leads to death. This is life. This is life. Everything else leads to death. This is life. This is the food you need. And we're dining on other things. We need to understand the reality that we are needy children whose only sustenance comes from the Word of God being applied to our life by the Spirit of God who lives in us. And third, look at verse 1. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. The craving that we're supposed to have comes from us stopping our dining on other less glorious and less tasty and less pure things. Okay? So the way he describes this milk is it's pure spiritual milk. And then he goes on in verse 1, he says, so you have to put off all this other stuff and then crave it. So here's what I hear. Did your mom ever tell you, don't eat that, you'll spoil your dinner, right? My mom wasn't a great cook, and I wanted. I said things like, no, mom, you've already done that. Um, I was a brat, I'm telling you, I was a brat. Uh <laughs> One time I said that. One. One time. Okay. <laughs> that was it. Just one time. Okay. Uh, don't, don't eat that. You'll spoil your, your, you'll spoil your dinner. I ask you, what did you pour into your heart before you came here today? What did you crave? That was a rhetorical. I want you to think about it. What did you pour into your heart that would take away the craving for God's Word? Tomorrow morning when you wake up, what are you going to put into your heart, into your mind, that might steal the craving that you're supposed to have for the pure spiritual milk of God's Word? 
you'll spoil your dinner. We're not designed for that. We're spirit now, not flesh. Are you with me? We should desire, desire spiritual things for our life. Hear me again. His words are life to us. Not just growth, but life. What are you filling yourself up with? This is all over the Bible. We're supposed to get rid of malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. Those are all deceitful things. All things that focus on self and and cause us to be filled up with what we think we need. Whether it's what somebody else has or whether it's our name above somebody else's name. Whatever it may be. It may be our good versus their good. Whatever it may be, it focuses us on ourselves. And we're told in Hebrews chapter 12, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. I want you to hear me. You cannot run the race with all that baggage, with all that sin. You weren't designed for that. You cannot eat of the pure spiritual milk of the Word with all of that sin clogging you up. Filling you up. James 1, 19 tells us, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. You see, when we fill ourselves up with all of the malice, envy, all of the selfishness, all of that deceit, all of that hypocrisy that says, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm better than they are, I'm going to be okay as long as it's not as bad as them. Whatever it may be that's filling us up, then when we are hearers of the Word being filled up with all of those things, we're hearers and not doers. It's only when we're coming craving the Word by the Spirit that we're actually doers of the Word and not hearers only the craving comes from the knowledge that God is good because we've already tasted that he's good the craving comes from understanding that we are needy babies and when we cry out our father has given us everything we need to sustain us and to cause us to grow and the craving comes from you got to stop eating all the other stuff you got to stop putting on all the other stuff you've got to put that stuff off why? Why do we need to crave this stuff? Well, you can see it right there in the passage because it's pure. <laughs> it's pure. All of the other stuff, all that malice and deceit and envy, all of that stuff is the impurity. If I were to go back to the baby, right? I have two daughters and let's say Kessid being born, we have no idea what we were doing with her, right? She was our firstborn. And so Joanie's feeding her. And if Joanie said, hey, I'm going to stop feeding her, I would like for you to go outside and I'd like for you to take the bottle and fill it up with some water from the puddle in the parking lot of our apartment complex and feed it to our child. Okay. Sounds like a good idea, right? What's going to happen? She's either going to end up with a really good immune system, right? <laughs> or she's going to come down with... It's death. It's just death waiting to happen, isn't it? I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? 
The the reason we should desire the word and the spirit being applied, the spirit applying that word to our life is because it's pure. It's pure milk that gives us life. It will keep us free from sin. It will keep us free from all of that impurity. Second Timothy three tells us that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. We need the word in order to even be equipped to do anything that God has called us to do. Secondly, we see that it's it's spiritual. It's pure spiritual milk. This spiritual reality is actually the same word as when you read in Romans chapter 12, when we're told, don't be conformed, right, to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Okay? And then he says, and then he goes on to say that what? This is your reasonable or spiritual act of worship. When we're spiritual beings, then reasonable stuff is spiritual stuff. Let me say that again. When we're spiritual beings, the only reasonable stuff for us is spiritual stuff. It makes no sense for spiritual beings to feed on unspiritual food. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? Because we're spiritual beings now. We won't find any life there. We already know we've been brought out of that and death was over there. But I keep going back to it as if I'm just feeding on a dead carcass all the time as opposed to the beauty of the sweetness of God's presence and God's Word. Makes no sense. It's not reasonable at all, is it? It's definitely not a spiritual thing to do. It seems to be that we have no clue what we're doing when we do that. It also tells us here it's a spiritual milk, it's a reasonable milk, and it's for spiritual people only. That milk is not going to give life unless the Spirit has made you new. Remember, we go back to verse 1. It said, so, if you've been born again by that word, right? It's the only way this is going to be true of you. 1 Corinthians 2 tells us that we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. It goes on to tell us that you can't understand those things without the Spirit. And the Spirit discerns the things of the Spirit. And in that way, in verse 16, we're told that we have the mind of Christ. We have the ability to discern spiritual things. And this spiritual reasonableness is for spiritual people only. A.W. Tozer put it this way. He said, the Bible is a supernatural book and can be understood only by supernatural aid. We need the Spirit to apply this Word to us. And so it is spiritual for us. It is also necessary for our ultimate salvation. Matthew 4.4 tells us, It's written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Romans 10.17 So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. John 8.31 So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in Him, If you abide in My Word, you are truly My disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We're told in verse 2 that this Word, this pure spiritual Uh, milk will grow us up into salvation that's what it's going to do we need it more than we need the word the world over and above the world instead of the world but it is not enough for you to simply ingest the word reading the word is not the same as knowing jesus Memorizing the Word is not the same as His presence. 
We need His Spirit in us. John 5, Jesus said this to the religious elite, the people who supposedly knew about God the best. And He says, You search the Scripture because you think in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about Me. Jesus says, The Scriptures bear witness about Me, yet you refuse to come to Me that you may have life. You cannot find life in Scripture without finding Jesus. And the Spirit reveals Jesus to you in the Scriptures. Robert Murray McShane put it this way. He said, When you are reading a book in a dark room and come to a difficult part, you take it to a window to get more light. We today, with electricity, flip on an actual lamp, right? But he would go to a window to get more light. And he says, When that happens in the Bible, take your Bibles to Jesus. And you'll find the point. You'll find life when you take your Bibles to Christ. So another way of putting this is this. If reading your Bible does not lead you to treasure the greatness and goodness of Jesus, then you are missing the point of reading your Bible. And it is fruitless. It's fruitless unless it's pointing you to Jesus. And finally, why? Why do we need this word? Why should we crave this word over and above all of the things of the world? Because it leads us to continually experience the goodness of God. Look at what it says. If indeed you have actually tasted that the Lord is good, you want to keep tasting that the Lord is Keep craving. You're going to experience the goodness of God. Thomas Brooks said, Remember, it's not hasty reading, but serious meditation on holy and heavenly truths that makes them prove sweet and profitable to the soul. It's not the person who reads the most. It's the person who meditates. It's the person who hangs out and finds life there. And he uses an illustration. I think it's a great illustration. A bee, right, who lands on a flower, right, does not just land and take off. What does the bee do while the bee is there? If the bee is going to gather everything it needs for honey, what happens? It's the bees abiding for a time on the flower that draws out the sweetness. You can't just hit and miss. We're not talking about fast food Jesus here. The fast food Bible. What we're doing most of the time, and I want you to understand, is some of you have gotten to the point where you have a full menu in front of you and you keep ordering from the same part of the menu. And usually it's the kitty section, right? You're ordering from that part of the menu and you're wondering why it's not filling you up and helping you grow. Chicken nuggets don't do that, folks. You're not tasting the sweetness of who he is, but you keep ordering from the... We treat our Bibles that way, don't we? We read the parts that we like. Some of them we skip because they're hard. Right? We, we treat God's Word that way. So, some of you have made the mistake of, instead of going to the milk every day, you just leave it to me for 30 to 40 minutes every week. And you wonder why there's no life and there's no growth and there's no sustenance and there's no sweetness of the presence of God. Spurgeon said, the more you read your Bible, the more you meditate upon it, the more you will be astonished with it. It is wonderful the effect of a single verse of Scripture when the Spirit of God applies it to the soul. What power would come upon the soul if we would grasp a single line of Scripture and just suck the honey and the sweetness out of it? All of that goodness of God.
You can read the Bible every year, every month if you want to. I've had professors who do that and never saw Jesus. I've known Christians who have done that and never found the sweetness of God. Because it was an exercise in reading, not an exercise in craving. Hear me. Reading is not what we're after. Craving is what we're after because we're after life. We're after life. Do you long to grow in Christ? Do you really long to love better, to have a living hope, to be holy? Do you want that craving again? Maybe you've tasted before and you want to crave the goodness of God again. Do you long to know and honor Jesus with your life? Then will you make this your prayer today as we close? Make this your prayer. Close your eyes. I want you to hear the Word of God. Psalm 119. Starting with verse 93, it says this. And make this your prayer today. Just pray these words back to God. Father, I will never forget your precepts. For by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me. But I consider not them, but your testimonies. I've seen a limit to all perfection. Nothing is perfect, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Father, your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. Because of your word, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. And if the word of God is sweet to you, praise the Lord for that. But if not, ask the Lord to make His words sweet to your taste, sweeter than honey to your mouth, that through His precepts you would get understanding and you would hate every false way. Father, make Your Word a lamp unto our feet and a light unto Your path. Father, I pray that Your Word would be sweet to us, but it would be life to us that we might know You, that we might obey You, that we might truly live. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand together. If you're here today, and you may feel like you're experiencing that goodness of God in a way that you haven't experienced before, I'd love to talk to you about what it is to walk with Jesus every day, to place your 